Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. The habitation of God. Where is God at? If you were to ask uh, folks today, you know, where is God at? I think we'd get uh, several, several different answers to that. He's in heaven. You know, He indwells the believer. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But I think the Scripture uh, makes clear that uh, God reveals uh, himself to us and that He is not uh, far from His creation. He is not separate from us in the sense that um, God didn't create the world and create us and then kind of set things into motion and then just hands off and just allow us to try and figure it out ourselves. But uh, right from the very beginning, we see that God uh, walked with Adam and Eve, that He had fellowship with them in the cool of the day there, and that He spoke to Cain. And uh, all the way throughout Scripture, we see right from the get-go that He was involved with man and that He still is, that He still um, His plan all along throughout the Scripture from the beginning till now is God's plan was that He would dwell with His people, that He would inhabit, that He would be in the midst, if you would, that we would be His habitation. When you look at um, in Exodus uh, chapter 25 and verse 8, you don't need to turn there, but there's a verse that says, and let them make me a sanctuary, the Lord says, and let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. And so from the beginning, God is bringing His people out of Egypt. Uh, By the way, Egypt would be a picture of the world and God's people coming out and traveling through the wilderness uh, to the promised land. Um, But God tells Moses, He says, uh, I want you to build me a sanctuary so that I can be with my people, so that I can meet with my people. And if you kind of fast forward and take your Bibles and turn to 1 Chronicles... Uh, Fast forward a little bit into the nation of Israel in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. This is actually one of our verses for the Lord's given us for building the church and moving forward. But 1 Chronicles 28, uh, just start with me in verse 9. The Bible says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. Boy, that's that's key, isn't it? Coming to the Lord with a heart that's open, seeking after him, a willing mind to hear. Oh, you seek and you shall find, right? For the Lord searcheth all the hearts and understandeth all the imaginations, the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, and this is our verse, take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Skip ahead to verse 20 of that same chapter. And David said to Solomon his son, Be strong 
and of good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Then skip down to verse 29. Furthermore, David, the king, said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the place is not for man, but for the Lord God. And I think that's an important verse as they're building this tabernacle, they're building the temple and the sanctuary here. Uh, He says, listen, this work is an important work. Why? Because this place that is being built is not for man. This place is not set apart for man. This is the work of the Lord. And this is being done for the Lord. Why? So that God could come and dwell with His people. As you look at the history of the temple and the tabernacle there in the Old Testament, the first temple that we see being built by Solomon, uh, the second temple uh, you can read about in Ezra and Nehemiah that was uh, commissioned by Cyrus the Great and finished 23 years later under Darius. Then there's the third temple. This is the temple uh, that uh, was there when Jesus came. They call that Herod's temple. I want to fast forward. Hey, this is a long introduction. The point's coming here. Well, stay with me for a second. Uh, John chapter 2. You say, I thought we were in a study in Ephesians. I thought we were doing a series on Ephesians. We are. We're going to get to that in just a second. I'm laying some groundwork here. Uh, John chapter 2. John chapter 2. This is, this is the time of the third tabernacle, the third temple that Again, what was the reason for the temple? Was it built for man? It was built for God, right? And here we see God manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ, right? Here He is. He's come to earth. And uh, this is a good passage. I won't get into all of it, but it it starts in verse 13 with Jesus going in and driving out all the money changers before the Passover. By the way, that was fulfilling something that God had said in the Old Testament that the people of Israel were supposed to do before the Passover. They were supposed to get all the leaven out. All the leaven. Leaven in the Bible is a picture of sin. And so before, before this is interesting, before, before the Passover, Jesus goes into his father's house, the tabernacle, the temple, and he drives out all the sin. He starts cleaning the house and getting it out and getting the place ready for for the Passover. And we see here, let's pick it up in verse 19. And Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple. By the way, uh, the people that were in control of the temple, they didn't appreciate what Jesus was doing. It's kind of ironic because remember, the temple was built for God. And when God came in the temple, they didn't like it. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple unbuilding, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. And when, when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said unto them that they believed 
and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. And I know I've mentioned this before, but by the way, when Jesus' temple, when his body was broken and his blood was shed on Calvary, uh, in a sense, he did destroy the temple. No longer was there a need for a temple any longer. The veil was rent and no longer was man going to have to go through a high priest or no longer were they going to have to bring that sacrifice into the temple because Jesus was our sacrifice. Jesus is our high priest. So in a sense, when his temple was destroyed, so was that temple destroyed. Now that temple was later destroyed um, and it's never been raised back up. Jesus' temple was destroyed and just as He said, in three days He did rise back up. You say, well, if the temple was destroyed and it's never been raised up, it's never been come back, then if there's no temple in Jerusalem, where does God dwell? Where is God at? Where is God at? People even say that. Where is God at when things happen in their life? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, the Bible says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer this temple in Jerusalem, but now he's saying, for ye are the temple of the living God. This brings us to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We studied last week, verse 10, for ye are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. That's the theme of Ephesians. In Christ, or in Christ Jesus. If we are in Christ, happens by salvation, by grace, through faith, not of works. If we are in Christ, then all these promises, and Ephesians is full of promises, all these promises are to those that are in Christ. Look at verse 19 of chapter 2, Ephesians 2.19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. We studied that the first week, that we're saints. I said, I don't feel like saint, a saint. Well, uh, that's what God said about you. If you're in Christ, you're set apart for His service. We're saints of the household of God, part of His household and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye, again, talking to believers, talking to Christians, those that are in Christ, in whom ye also are built together. I'm going to highlight this, I think, throughout the whole message. Together. Together, he says. In whom you are built together for an habitation of God. For an habitation of God. Through the Spirit. Who? Who is the habitation of God? Where does God dwell? He dwells with us. With us. I love the promise where Jesus said where two or three are gathered together in My name, 
there am I in the midst of them. Where two or three are gathered together. You say, where does God dwell? He dwells with us. With His people. Isn't that humbling? But isn't that exciting? Isn't that good to know that God is with us and if He is with us, who can be against us? We are the church, which means His body. Uh, We are uh, the building that He's working on. We talked about that last week. We're His workmanship. The people of God together. The habitation of God. That's what Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, what? Know ye not that your uh, body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. And not just individuals, not just do we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us, but together, as we meet together, that's what's important about this coming together, is that when we come together, the Bible says that He is working on us uh, corporately. That's what He says. If you follow in the passage, He says that we are framed together. That we are builded together. Together In 1 Thessalonians, there's a passage where he talks about the church and the resurrection of the church. He says that we are caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, skip over to chapter 4. He says in a spot there that we are joined together, that we are compacted. Um, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, he begins in verse 17 talking about how the Lord has through the Spirit given gifts to the church. He's given gifts to men uh, that we can uh, glorify Him and, and work together. And, and some of those gifts are, are pastors and teachers. And you say, what are those for? Verse 12, Ephesians 4.12. For the perfecting of the saints. And I, I always like to point this out. So when we come together and hear the preaching and teaching and study of God's Word, uh, is this so that we just become perfect saints? Is this so that we just become good people? So that we become better people? No, no, no. He says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, there's a purpose here. Not only do we come together to glorify God and to worship God, but we come together so that God together, and I'm going to keep saying this, together God works on us so that we can fulfill our ministry. Our ministry as a church, sure, but our ministry as individuals. I say this quite often, that we in the body of Christ, that we should probably have a ministry in the church, and a mission in the world. You say, what do you mean by that? Uh, There are those out there that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is the call of the church. But who's the church? We're the church. See, that's the point that I'm trying to get across is that, yeah, we're maybe building a building and yeah, we have a building here, but the building is not the church. We are the church. The people are the church. And God brings us together. Why? To work on us, to prepare us uh, for our work, for our specific... That's what I talked about last week. We are His workmanship. Uh, He's the potter, we're the clay. The potter chooses to what to do with the clay. Uh, he chooses uh, what, we can, uh, what we're uh, called to do and what He would have us to do to bring glory to Him. But He goes on to say, He's perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in unity. 
of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. He, he, the Lord would have us as His people uh, mature in Him, grow in Him, in the knowledge of Him, to be rooted and grounded in love, the Bible says, that we are not, you know, we come into Christ as babes, but then the Lord would have us uh, surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as He grows us up. That's what He says. Uh, He says, but speaking the truth in love, verse 15, may grow up unto Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, together, fitly, who said, who's the body? Who's the parts of the body? We are the parts of the body. We are who God brings together, those that are in Christ, those that have been saved, set apart for Him. Uh, He says, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Boy, this is a lot in this verse, but here's, here's one part of this verse is that every part of the body is important. Right? So we see that in our own body. Of course every part of our, you know, there's not one part of my body that I just want to do away with. Every part's important. The same is true in the body of Christ. You say, well, I'm not this or I'm not that. That doesn't matter. We are who God made us to be. Just be who God made you be. Be sincere about it. And God will use you as that part of the body to get this, supply what other parts of the body need. We need each other in the body of Christ. Why? Because he says that, that every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of the measure of part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That word edifying, built up. Uh, you know what we need? We need each other. To be edified. We need, need each other to be built up. And when we're doing it in Christ with the right reasons, the church will grow in the sense of you say you more folks come in. Yeah, maybe that. But, but also the folks that are here, the folks that are apart, will grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, will, will grow up in maturity in Christ. How? Through each other. That's why God's put us... Together, together we'll grow. Together we'll increase. We grow in the Lord together. Together. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. The Master Builder is building us together. He's building a house. That's what He said here. He's building a house. And here's the part. You fit in. Every part. Every, you say, I don't, I don't feel like I fit in. I don't feel like I'm a part. No, you do fit in. You do. God will begin to work and bring those things. As we come together, as we join together, this is a place where God can meet with us, where we seek God to speak to us together. He doesn't just meet with us, but He frames us and He builds us and He works on us here. It's a place where we can come in and say, okay, Lord, we're the potter or excuse me, we're the clay, you're the potter. It's a place where we come in and say, we are your workmanship, that you're perfecting us. What for? 
for the work of the ministry, that we may grow up in our walk with You. Not, not that we may grow up and become an authority on something. No, 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 no. That we may grow up in Him. Grow up rooted and grounded in love. Drawing close to Him. Edifying each other. Helping each other in Christ. Unity is important. Unity is very important. First off, for the growth, for a safe place to grow. It's also important to glorify God. Um, Ephesians 2 started, and we covered it some last week, and you hath He quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. In other words, uh, before we came to Christ, before, but God, that part where it says, but God, who is rich in mercy with the great love wherewith He loved us. Before that, we were aliens. We were, uh, uh, um, we were not citizens. We were not part of the household of God. But God, He says, uh, with His great love wherewith He loved us, brought us into the body of Christ. Look at verse 11 of chapter 2. Verse 11, he mentions there the the Gentiles and the uncircumcised. He says in verse 12 that they were aliens. They were uh, strangers of, of Israel. They weren't part of it. But now, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. You see that? He's broken down this. Now, he's talking about here the Jews and the Gentiles. This was the mystery that he explains about the body of Christ here in Ephesians that that now, primarily in the Old Testament, God dealt with and dealt through the nation of Israel. But now, in the New Testament, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, He deals through the body of Christ. He deals through the church, which is both Jew and Gentile alike, meaning there's no difference. And He says, and now God's broken down those walls, those barriers that one time separated. And I think it's probably hard for us to understand how different these people would have been. The Jewish people and the Gentiles, basically anyone who wasn't Jewish at the time, for them to be able to come together in one place, in one local assembly, and say that they are all part of the body of Christ and that they have all the same promises and all the same things in Christ. And he's saying, listen, I broke down that thing that separated, that thing that uh, took you, you guys apart. I broke that down in Christ. And so in the body of Christ, I believe that the Lord can break down those walls to try to separate us. What, what may be a minor details in comparison to what was the difference between a Jew and a Gentile. And he says, I can break those walls down and there can be unity and there can be edification and there can be love and there can be glory given to God as we come together knowing uh, the reason that we are together is because of Christ. It's because of the gospel of Christ. He is the head. And as we are part of the household of God, remembering it is His household. We are His people. Turn with me in verse, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2.
You say how some of the walls broken down, um, some of those dividing walls that separate us. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that we may grow thereby. I think one of the ways to find unity is just to say, I'm coming to seek God. I'm coming together to hear from God. I'm coming desiring something from His Word. Um, Not, oh, that person is a part of the family of God. Not that attitude, but I'm so happy that I'm part of the family of God. Instead of like looking around saying, "Uh, who do we let in here? No, instead of that. Say, I can't believe they let me in. Yeah, amen, I can't believe that I'm part of Woo! the family of God. I don't deserve this. Yeah. It's not like I got in by my good works That's or something that I did. Amen, and so it's just coming in saying, wow, I'm just thankful that I'm part of it. He says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk, come in hungry, come in seeking God. He says, if so be that you have tasted the Lord is gracious, and He is gracious, to whom calling us unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious ye also. Again, He's talking about us, those that have been accepted in Christ. Our lively stones are built up a spiritual house. He's building us together, a spiritual house. Um, a holy priesthood. To offer up, look at this, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Stop there for a second. You said, we come together to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. We're here together. I'm trying to, what are we doing here? What's the purpose of church? We've come together. He's bringing us together. And we're here to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. What is that? Um, Hebrews 3, 13, 15, he says, By whom therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. This is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You say, what's the spiritual sacrifice that we come together? Uh, Thank you, Lord. And we started with some songs. Those songs are songs of praise to God. Brethren, we have met to worship. Uh, We sang that song this morning. We're coming to say, uh, hey, thank you, Lord. Thank you for bringing us together. We've come to bless your name. We've come to thank you. We've come to praise you together. That's a spiritual sacrifice that we're bringing to God. And he says, I love that. That's why I put you together. I put you together so that you can do that for me. That's what God... You see, I, I, I got to go back to the first, ver, first Sunday that we talked about all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. First part of that verse, it says, we bless God who have given us all spiritual blessing, right? That's uh, Ephesians 1.4. We bless God. Again, there is nothing that you and I can give to God that He needs. That's right. There is nothing that we can, there's nothing that we can offer to God. He spoke the world into existence. He doesn't need us. That's right. He doesn't need anything from us. There's nothing that we can give Him that He says, whew, glad I got that, right? I was nervous. No, sir. He is not needing that, but He wants something from us. The Bible says He wants our thanksgiving. He wants our acknowledgement that we say all good things are coming from God. We bless the Lord because He blessed us. His blessings to us are different than our blessings to Him. Right? 
So we bless Him. We thank Him. We praise Him. That's the, that's the spiritual sacrifice. Verse 6 of 1 Peter 2. Wherefore also He... Also it is... Uh, Contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he that believeth on him, Christ, shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. We've come together. Why? Because Christ is precious to us. He's precious to us. But unto them which are which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner and the stone of stumbling, a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the Word. You know, Jesus Christ is, to some people, they stumble at this. The, the Word is a stumbling block. They, they can't, they've rejected Christ. They've rejected Him and certainly the high priests uh, rejected Him. And He became a stumbling stone to them. But for us, He became the chief cornerstone. He became all those things for us. But, verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I said, said last week, man, this is true of us, but I don't know if you woke up this morning feeling like a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? He says a peculiar people. We may have woke up feeling like a peculiar people, but that ye may show forth, look at this, that you may show forth the praise of, of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We covered that in Ephesians chapter 1, to the praise of His glory. It's, it's, it says it three times in Ephesians chapter 1. I mentioned to underline it. Three times He said, God's blessed us with all spiritual blessing. He's done all these things for us to the praise of His glory. He's given us all these things and given us all this hope and given us all this a future to the praise of His glory. He's done all these wonderful things to us to the praise of His glory. He's saying, what are you trying to say? We've come together this morning to say thank you. To say praise you, Lord. We believe you, God. We're thankful for what you've done to us. Thank you for putting me in this body. Thank you for making me a part. Thank you for your hope. Thank you for all the things that you've done for me. I'm thanking you. You know, I've said this multiple times, but there's a key into getting into the presence of God. And that's the, the, the title of the message. His habitation, where He dwells. Psalms 1, 104, the Bible says, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. You say, how do I get close to the Lord? How do I, get in, how do I hear from Him? How do I get in fellowship with Him? I think that's the key right there. Start with thanksgiving. Start with praise. Come in with uh, 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 blessing His name. Saying, Lord, I want to thank You. I want to praise You. Uh, coming in humbly before God. Uh, humbling our hearts. He says that if we'll humble ourselves before the Lord, He will revive us. He will give us a new life. You say, how is all these things done? How is it done that we can... Uh, praise the Lord and fellowship with Him. Look at this. And back in Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2. This will be the last passage you turn to. i got one more scripture after, but the last one you turn to. Ephesians 2 and verse 22. In whom? 
ye also are builted together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You say, is God here this morning? He's here this morning. You say, how? Through the Spirit. The Spirit that indwells us. God's Spirit. You say, what do we need uh, to be transformed? What do we need in our lives? We need the presence of God. Is, that's what David told Solomon when he was called to the work that he was called to do, is that the Lord will not forsake you. He will not leave you. And that's the promise that we have. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And if we know that, you say, you say sometimes it, it feels like that I'm alone. But the truth of the matter is, is we're not alone. If he's promised that he's with us and he's promised that the spirit indwells the believer, then he's there with us. And it's through his spirit that we are set free. It's through his spirit that we have liberty. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. He says, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. So as we close, where the Spirit is, and the Spirit is here, and the Spirit is with us, the Holy Spirit, and as we submit ourselves to the Spirit, and as we are led by the Spirit, the first thing that happens where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We can be set free from the bondages around us. Fear is a bondage. Uh, vice is a bondage. There's certain things that are bondages, and the Holy Spirit will set us free from bitterness as a bondage. There's bit, there's things that the Holy Spirit can set us free from, and there's liberty in that. And then not just that, the Holy Spirit is the one that does a work of sanctification. That's just a big word for saying that we are being changed in the, into the image of Christ, and we are being set apart for His service. So the Holy Spirit in us begins to change us into the image of Christ. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, God is working. God is working. And as we come together and meet together, frame together, join together, we're going to get caught up together one day. Uh, all, all those sort of things, we are coming together in one Spirit, with one Father, in unity, saying, thank you, God. Praise you, God. And now when we begin to thank Him and praise Him, I believe that we become His habitation, the people of God, not the building. It's not that God's dwelling in the building. He's dwelling with us. And that's the promises that we have. This is the reason, this is the purpose to meet together. You say, why is it that we meet together? We meet together to meet with the Lord. We meet together to meet with Him. And He is the focus of our meeting. He is what it is and why it is that we've come together. And we come with a clean heart, a humble heart before the Lord. I would challenge us, as we come together on Sunday mornings to seek the Lord, that, in, that, we, that we prepare for it. I think that's important, is that we prepare our heart. We go back to that perfect heart and a willing mind. I think You say, how is it that I'm going to hear from the Lord? Prepare your heart. So if there's things inside that we need to confess and we need to talk to the Lord about, do it. Maybe it's just as simple as saying, Lord, I want to hear from you today. As your word is read, as the fellowship of your people are being done, Lord, I want to meet with you. I want to hear with you today. I don't want to limit you by my pride or by my 
unbelief, but I want to invite you and recognize you in our presence, saying it's because of you and through you that you can revive us, that you can build us, that you can meet us and bring true and new life to us. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.